Hi everyone and welcome back to the Renegade Money Show. This is your host, Winnie Sun, and I'm really excited to introduce you to my friend and guest today, Park Howe, who I had a chance to hear speak at the largest social media conference of the universe, Social Media World 2017, which was in beautiful San Diego this year. And Park actually talks about the business of storytelling, which resonated to me on so many different levels. As a business owner in a very traditional space, the financial industry, this is something I think those of us who do something like myself can really um, gain a lot of um, advantage too. And, and frankly, after I heard Park speak, I mean, the first thing I wanted to do was send him an email and tweet him and just let him, like, I, I wish I wish so much that he, I could be in his mind and, and know what he's thinking. Um, so without further ado, please say hello and welcome, Park. Well, thank you, Winnie. Be careful of what you wish for. I'm not sure you want to be hanging out in this mind. It's a, it scares <laughs> me on occasion, too. Oh, no, I'm sure it's a very beautiful mind for sure. In fact, I know it to be the case because after I heard you speak, I literally kept thinking about the things that you said. It was incredible. And thank you so much for the, the gifts. I mean, you gave each of us this small booklet, and I wish I had it with me. It's at home. I've written a whole bunch of stuff in it. Um, but really, really, I thought we could start with, Park, you telling us your personal story. Oh, well, thank you, Winnie, and it's really an honor to be on your show today. So I, I appreciate you asking me on. You know, my personal story literally started here. I am up in Seattle. I, I work and live in Phoenix, Arizona, but I grew up literally in the basement of my childhood home it's up beautiful. in Woodenville, Washington. Thank you. And we've got <laughs> beautiful rhododendrons out here. The swimming pool in the back is which uh, you don't even know how many stories from high school came out of that place. I can only um, imagine. <laughs> so up here for the long weekend, hanging with my folks and uh, some brothers and playing some golf and running into some old friends. And so it really started here. Um, when I was a young, very, very young boy, a little toddler, I was actually at our grandpa and grandma's cabin in Lake Lida, Minnesota. And she came over, and I was a little guy, and she sits down to play what I thought was a cupboard. She sat down at this cupboard, but she ended up started playing, and it was a piano. And I remember I was just like blown away that she could make this magical sound out of what I thought was a cupboard. Um, that got me really interested in learning how to play the piano. So in the third grade, I started taking piano lessons, played, ended up writing all kinds of music as a kid. I got wow. a, a degree in music composition and theory. Also I got one that. in communication so I could make a living because I didn't think I'd make much <laughs> but I just did it because I loved it. That brings me to where we are today because that one moment in my life had such a profound impact in hindsight that today, instead of composing music, I help people compose their stories, find their stories, bring them together so that they can use them in business to really connect with people on a very authentic human scale and move them to action through the true stories that we tell very well that helps make a business point that moves people on. And that's that was kind of the beginning of it all, that little experience with uh, my grandma and her piano. Well, grandma did a good job because you're like helping so many businesses now. I mean, I had a chance to read some of the profiles on your website and I was just blown away because very traditional, boring businesses, but you've made them so so engaging and they've come to life, if you will. Well, yeah. thank you. And, and you know, Winnie, in the professional services world, like you are too, you know, that you're in, is we often default to features and benefits and functions. The, the more educated we get, and I'm talking, you know, the MBA world and even beyond in the PhD world, our logic mind is really 
ignited in that learning process. So we tend to try to communicate through using logic. And you know what? Our brains are not logic processors. They're story processors. They want to know what's the event wrapped around that logic that I have to pay attention to. Uh, and yet nobody teaches us that. And so it was, it was when, through my work in the advertising marketing world, and then our middle son going to film school, and I learning what Hollywood knows about telling stories, I, it really ignited in me that, that storytelling need to let people know that here, let, give yourself permission to become intentional about the stories you tell, especially in the B2B world. Uh, mm -hmm. And you will connect with people and, and move them like you never have before. I know that that was incredible because a lot of the speakers at Social Media World talked about social media practices that were relevant, I think, for especially those who are content creators or I would say kind of like the millennial space. But I think you you touched upon something that I thought was very powerful because you talked about a skill set and an ability that really uh, honed in on what was quite profitable, right? Very traditional businesses who, who had a loyal client base or customer base, but taking it to that new level. And I love the fact that your background, it was in, um, I think, advertising, typical traditional advertising agency, but the fact that your middle son helps you kind of give you that aha moment, powerful stuff. And, and, and how smart of you to tune in on that too. Well, you know, honestly, Winnie, I think it was kind of my music training because I was always fascinated. Like, for instance, a Mozart um, a sonata allegro form totally built off of storytelling, the three-act structure of, mm -hmm. of story. And I learned that, you know, back when I was studying it in school, but I never realized its application. You know, when I saw it again show up in, in what Hollywood knows about storytelling, and I brought mm -hmm. it together. So I've been in the advertising marketing world for over 30 years. I ran my own agency for 20 years, and most of my work is really focused on brand story development or you know, big brands, small brands, everyone in between. Help them understand really. what their communications were. Mm -hmm. So like everybody else, I was approaching it in a very academic way, you know, a situational analysis and audience personas, which are all really important. But I found it was a very logical way to approach it, which mm -hmm. is necessary. But once I shift gears and said, what if I approach this as an author might or a screenwriter might and creating it as a story versus just a business element in the world, you know, a business brand in the world. And um, it was an exercise that we tried using some, the hero's journey basically from Joseph yes. Campbell out of Hollywood. And we boiled it down and mapped it into 10 simple steps for businesses. And the first time we used it, it was like remarkably successful. And that's when I had my aha moment. That was in 2010. 10. Uh, the company we used it on today has experienced over 300% growth and they don't even do any advertising or marketing because their story is so strong that word of mouth is what drives it. And wow. Avin Tafoya, who runs this organization, said, I don't advertise because I can't uh, take on any more business right now. It it's just has been that uh, powerful. Well, maybe you could take us part through the process. So a lot of business owners follow our podcast and our videos and, and whatnot, and I'm followed by a ton of media. So like, like a business, for example, if they say, okay, Park, so I have this very traditional business and I do feel like I could get more business, but I don't know how to get to that process. What would you say to them? Yeah. Um, here's what I often hear when you do that very question is I will get emerging businesses come to me and they may have been in business anywhere from three to five, sometimes 10 years, typically kind of a mom and pop company, but their business model is working wonderfully. They've hit okay. a niche and it's going great. They're, they're, okay. 
They're making money and they're growing. They're adding 20, 30 people a, a, a month. And they said, you know, part, we can't get them all pulling in the same direction. Right. We don't have our internal story straight. Then they'll say, and our competition's starting to take notice of us. Mm -hmm. And they're starting to come in. So we need to define what our brand story is just so we can let everyone know that we truly are the market. And then number third, and the one that has the most power and in your life, in the financial world, they say, you know, last week my banker was here or my investor was here and I was looking for some more funding to grow. And they asked me what my story was. And I said, I don't know. I, I don't have my story. I've been so busy just delivering my business model that I don't know what it is. So what I tell people to do is take a deep breath, sit back and find Find out what is the passion that actually drives your business. What is it about you and your employees that get behind it? Once they really start understanding that, and quite often it takes them a while to kind of pull the onion apart, peel the onion mm -hmm. back to figure that out. But when they start approaching it, like, what is your story? Why did you start this thing? Where is the story now in the hero's journey that goes around and around? How does your brand reflect your story? How do your employees buy into your story that, that, that makes this brand successful? And it goes beyond the academic uh, branding work. It really is like, man, if I'm going to map this out and write my memoir of where my brand is now, it starts bringing up all these emotional feelings, all this, these emotional, authentic stories then that takes you beyond just the features and functions and benefits. They're important, but what you've got to first do is connect with people on a very visceral human level. So we took Joseph Campbell's 17 steps of the story cycle process, and Joseph Campbell was America's foremost mythologist that identified this universal structure of the story that you see in all many, many, many great films in particular but it's used everywhere and it's used everywhere because it's a reflection of our life we boil that down to 10 simple questions that we ask a, a, a brand and take them through um, and very quickly the first thing that I ask them to do the number one most important thing the first step out of that primordial muck of commoditization is understand what is it you functionally do better than anybody else okay. what do you literally do better than anybody else okay I love that. And oftentimes in our industry, especially those types of things, I've heard people in my industry say, well, Winnie, that's fluff. You know, that's the stuff that you're just talking fluff, but really it's the whole, the human connection, right? Is that what you're trying to share with us, Park? I think that that's what resonates to me. Yeah, it is the human connection. And, you know, people want the data. They've got to have the numbers to back it up without a doubt. But you know what, Winnie? Uh -huh. And you do this. I do this. Everybody does this. We don't buy with our intellect. We buy with our hearts. And then exactly. we justify that purchase with our intellect. So we buy through story. That heart means we gotta find the emotion. So with your clients, you know, what is it that they're trying to achieve? Where do they wanna be? What kind of life do they wanna enjoy? What kind of events do they want to be able to afford and not miss out mm -hmm. on? Those are the questions right. you always first ask. And then you back right. in data and say, all right, to right. get there, we're gonna need to establish this much money and this much savings account and stocks and bonds and the data starts coming in. But that's the data's the scaffolding scaffolding to the event. And that's what business mm -hmm. people are never taught. Our brains don't buy with our heads, we buy with our hearts and we justify it with our heads. So the fluff throw the fluff out the window. We gotta have the fluff. And it's not fluff. It's the most engaged. It's a warm fuzzy. You have kids, right? I do have three. Three. Now, okay, so give me give me an age of one of your kids and the vegetable they detest the most. How old is he <laughs> or she and what vegetable can you not get them to eat? Okay, so my youngest is three years old 
and he won't eat carrots. So when you're trying to get him to eat carrots, do you try to tell him wonderful health benefits associated with carrots and how much riboflavin it's got and what percentage of this and what percentage of that? Now, what do you do? When you try to I tell them it's like Play-Doh. Ah, when why like Play-Doh? <laughs> because you know it's orange. It's you know it's like the shape you can make Play-Doh carrots, and would it be good? It probably tastes like a. I tell them it's nature's candy. Oh, there you go. So now you were reframing the story from a yuck story to a nature's candy story. And a plate of, you know, a fun thing. So how does that work for you? Does that work to get your three-year-old eating carrots? Um, he plays with them now. He plays with them now. <laughs> so, so I think it's getting closer to the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. So you have defaulted as a mother to storytelling, to get your child to do the right thing. Now, just because we're 30 or 50 or 70 doesn't mean that child no longer lingers in our head. They're still very much Mm. there. We've just been educated and learned a lot in life. But I tell you what, we still make the same decisions like we do. You know, all of us were at the tops of our storytelling games in kindergarten. You literally think about it. Uninhibited, we had so much fun, we would make up so much stuff. The more educated we got, the more we were told to sit at your seat, draw between the lines, be quiet, you know, we get in the corporate world, we don't do it that way. And the more education That's with right. MBAs you get, that storyteller is not lost. It's simply silence. It's like someone brings the curtain down the storyteller. So then when we get in the business world, it's not a big surprise that we try to sell with logic. When you are not trying to sell your child with logic, you're trying to sell them with story. Well, in this day mm-hmm. and age, we still need to sell with story and then back up that purpose, that story with the logic. But nobody does that. They just don't understand that that's actually what drives us. That's what makes us human beings is the ability to take in and understand story. All right. But Park, let's just put it out there. There's those of us who can tell stories like myself. I can tell stories, but I can't tell stories the way you tell stories. Because the way you tell stories, I mean, I've read some of your work and I mean, it sings. It's very different. So I really am grateful that you shared the story about you working with mom and pop businesses because without knowing that, I would assume that you were working with, you know, those big, huge brands and then you weren't working with regular people and that you were completely out of, um, I should say, out of range, right, Uh, for businesses like myself or other people that I know, I think it's good to share that with our audience. And not only that, I loved hearing you speak and you, I know you do a ton of public speaking as well. So do you, I guess, do you spend more of your time today helping individual businesses or do you spend more time uh, speaking or maybe one of the other or one together? Yeah, great question. I spend more time helping business, uh, emerging brands. I do work with large brands, uh, but quite often now, it's not so much on their branding for the very large companies because they kind of have that in play. Their biggest challenge with the large brands is we don't have our people buying into our brand story. Number two, finding the stories within inside our organization to really support our brand stories. And number three, being very intentional about how to tell those stories. So thank you for the very nice compliment about you and Joy Light, you know, reading my stories. I'll tell you what, I'm no different than you and I'm no different than any one of your viewers right now. We all have the storyteller inside of us. All we have to do is follow a few guidelines, not even going to say rules, because rules are meant to be broken. You're always known for the rules you break. Follow some basic guidelines, be intentional 
intentional about how you structure your story. Make sure you have a business point on every single story you tell, especially if you're using it in the business world. And I guarantee your viewers that what I tell my students, I teach at Arizona State University as well, an executive master's program in communication. So your whole goal is to be able to own the boardroom, own the break room, own the chat room, and own your own living room at home. You know, become a really compelling storyteller. And when you start doing this, even in little increments, you will be blown away by the impact you'll have. People will come up to you and say, Winnie, I've never seen you tell such a great story. They won't even say story, actually. They'll say, "I, I that, that was so the best amazing. presentation I've ever mm-hmm. seen. Or there's just something you said that hit me. I've seen this time and time again, even when you use just a little bit of story. And what I tell people is a spoonful of story helps the data go down. Um, I love more that. you can use story, <laughs> to share data in the world, the more you can connect with our reptilian brain that says, oh, she's telling me a story, an event is happening that I need to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, Parker, um, I'm gonna ask for our viewers here. I want you to go through some of the steps that you go through with companies, because I love the words that you you use for them, because it really helps us visualize about telling that story. And that was very compelling when I heard you speak, and you were so generous to give us, I mean, after I heard you speak, the one word that came to me was just like, wow, Park is so generous with his knowledge. So maybe talk about those points, if you do, if you would. Well, thank you. Okay. Um, well, we start with chapter one, and that's called the backstory. And I simply have your listeners ask themselves with their brand. And by the way, they can use this for their own personal brand to grow their mm-hmm. influence, either within an organization or within their own clientele. Or you can use this for your organizational brand, like, you know, so you can really own that market, get people to buy into. First, chapter one is the backstory. You got to set the stage for your brand story, and you answer three questions Where have you been? Where are you now? where are you going in a very high level and what I'm ultimately trying to get them to do is boil down to what is their number one position statement and what I mean by that is what do you do in the business better than anybody else so this is very much features and functions I mean literally the rubber hits the road what do you do better we need to start there and the idea then is start elevating that Second one is a chapter called, Who's Your Hero? Now, I ask that as a question, who's your hero? Because so often, I'm telling you 90% of the time, Winnie, that the brand thinks they are the hero. The brand thinks they are the center of the story, and I um, have a cold awakening for them. They're not. Their customers need to be at the center of every story they tell. And actually, I say audiences, because... You've got customers that buy from you, but you also have audiences inside your organization, employees, you need to get them polling in the same direction. You've got stakeholders and shareholders. They're all audiences that you are quote unquote selling something to. You might not be selling a product or service, but you're certainly selling a philosophy to it, especially internally. So I want people to really understand who are their top three audiences. Time around, we just focus on that number one audience who's most important because it keeps them focused. We go into chapter three, which is what's at stake. So every great story, you have to have some sort of compelling stakes that moves the story forward. I want the brand to think about the organization. What's at stake for the organization for growth, growth goals, short, medium, and long term. But I want them to really focus on what's at stake for their audience to buy their product or service. What do they stand to gain when they do? And even 
as important, Winnie, is what mm-hmm. do they stand to lose? Got it. If they That's don't, in status quo. Mm-hmm. You, you must know how that works. You know, you're always trying to move people out of status quo into something that's going to be better for them. But our audiences and people in general just don't like change. And yet it's in change is where all the growth occurs, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And as you are you're speaking, this is speaking in my head. I'm thinking about the answers while oh, I'm doing good, so good, point good, four. Good. Keep all going. right. Use this on yourself and let me know how that goes. Oh, no, all right. you, you bet point I will. Four, <laughs> Point four, chapter four is called the call to adventure, or in Hollywood parlance, it's called the inciting incident. Having a ball in place, something has to happen that shakes us out of status quo and move on. So this is where you take your uh, position statement that we talked about in chapter one, and now you start humanizing. What's the impact of what you do and you create your unique value proposition? What do you offer people that they cannot get anywhere else from a human standpoint? How do you start leveling them up? And this is important because the call to adventure stage, I want you to get super clear on what's happening in the market that is disruptive. Now, it could be a disruption that's happening in the market that you and your firm are there uniquely available to your audiences to help them get through this disruption through your products and services you offer, or it's a disruption that you have created in the marketplace and you are the most timely, relevant, urgent product offering, and that's where your unique value proposition comes in. So you get super clear on this. And by the way, as we're talking about this, what we're really doing is we're focusing, 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 and getting you so crystal clear on what your brand story is that when you go out to your audiences, immediately they know who you are and what you're about. You know, in this day and age, we live in this day and age of abundance. So we're all in competition for mind share, for eyes and ears. Uh, to overcome the cacophony of the attention economy. And you can only do that by getting hyper-focused and clear about your brand story. So, um, where are we? We're on chapter five. We're halfway through the story cycle. This is one of my favorite ones, Winnie, and I call it Villains, Fog, and crevasses or crevices <laughs> depending on where you are in the world and what this is is the time in your planning to get super clear on what you are up against both as a brand who's your competition villains and that and these are fun terms by the way but you know what's the competition out there trying to take away your market share um, mm-hmm. and then even what's the internal villain that you're dealing with it could be in your own head you know fear is one of our greatest foils or maybe it's a villain inside the organization because you're not clear on the story so that the clearer you can get on what you have to overcome there then the more your story comes together and you know actually what to do fog is the blind spots what is it you don't know that you don't know now I realize that that's a fairly loaded question but it makes you really sit down and think boy we're really good here and here and here but you know we don't have the foggiest what we're doing over here we need to clarify that and even more importantly what don't your customers know about you what are their blind spots about you and your offering and how you can level them up so that this is all part of chapter five. We get straight with that. And then crevasses, uh, the gaps. We often say one thing and we do something else, human nature. Mm-hmm. What are the gaps that are not making your story authentic and how you tell it and how you actually deliver on the promises you make in your story? Absolutely critical to uh, bridge those gaps through the stories you tell and more importantly, how you get your people bought into that story so that they can deliver on a very, very large scale. So villains, fog and crevasses. This is huge. Yeah. This is huge. This goes beyond storytelling. You're not only talking about storytelling, but you're actually t- figuring out some of the shortfalls of your organization that you can work on. So 
It really is. I had someone at a a recent session, I was doing a workshop up in Vegas, and with very, very left brain um, accounting type figures, and I was kind of explaining to them, and one of the the guys says, like, did you study (laughs) archaeology? Or I said, are you a psychologist? And I go, no, no, and no, but I'm glad they're asking those questions, because what it's doing, you can see how it's connecting with them on a very visceral human level, and all of a sudden, this brand means way more to them than it did of just something else I pay for in a product or service that is helping me along. Um, and that's where we come to chapter six, the enter the mentor. And <laughs> this is where the brand gets the play. Well, it's you too, Winnie. When you are out working with your clients, you are the mentor. I am mm-hmm. hopefully playing the mentor and the guide for you right now and for your um, viewers. All of us out there are the mentors or guides to the true heroes in our journey. And those heroes are our are, are audiences and our customers that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So this one, we really boil it down for uh, our, our customers in this process. This is when we want to start unearthing their true personality of the brand. So we look at what is the emotional promise, the one word, if you can boil it down to one word they get. What is the gift? So let's go back to our earlier story working with you. You know, when you're in and helping people with their financial planning and that sort of thing, it's like, what is it that they want to achieve? And the gift might be simply peace of mind. So you don't just offer financing and financial planning and getting them to where they want to go. But maybe that gift is, I don't have to worry about it because Winnie and her team are on it. That's Mm -hmm. the gift. That's actually what you sell them. But financial Mm -hmm. planning is simply a vehicle to it. Mm -hmm. I got a real quick story if I can share with you on that, working with a company out of Quebec and a used car company that sells cars to people with really bad credit. Now, right off the bat, you're thinking, you know, loan sharks, charlatan, taking advantage of people in need, that sort of thing. I mean, that's what I thought when they first called. These people are just the opposite of all that. What they do is they have great compassion and empathy for people that have been impacted by the recession. Maybe they had a loss of a job, healthcare issues, a divorce, mm-hmm. problems not you know, not of their making, but just completely hammered their credit. And they hadn't been ha- able to drive a car for a while because they couldn't afford one. They mm-hmm. finally have got some money rolling in. They show up at this company and they're here to buy their car. And why they want to buy their car is they said, I just want the freedom. I want the respect and the freedom, the dignity of having my own vehicle so that I can drive. So what these folks do instead of just offloading a car to them is they put them through a three-hour financial planning thing for free. That's before they could loan them anything, get them into a car, they have to go through this financial planning thing. If they don't choose to do it, they won't sell them a car. Then number two, they look at their budget and they go, I know you want this car, but actually you can really only afford this car. So we're going to sell you this car because we want you around. We want you to be able to make those payments and repair your credit. Why? Because then the car dealership has better credit worthiness with their bankers so they can be more uh, competitive in this shark-like tank of used car companies. And they go to a company, they become a go-to company to help repair people's credit. So when it was all said and done, when we finished working on their story, you know what their ultimate storyline came down to? What? Your vehicle to financial freedom. Oh. You know, it's so That's awesome. pretty awesome. It's, it's, I love that story. What you, 
that. Come in, you're going to get. Now, that they told us their customer wanted freedom. Well, they want the freedom to drive. So we know that that's a gift they're looking for. But this company goes even beyond that. It's your vehicle to financial freedom. So come in. We're going to help you repair your credit. Two years when you're done here, if you make all your payments, you can buy any car you can afford, a brand new car if you like it. That's the whole reason why they're in business. Selling the car. Wow, that's incredible. Simply just a platform to help these people out. So I thought, you know, that's a really good example of it and a fun way of looking at it that you would never view that kind of industry being that of that service to their folks. Um, yeah, I would not have seen it being that positive. That's mm -hmm. awesome. And then in, in, um, the third part of the Enter the Mentor is we look at, I don't know if you know who Carl Jung is, a, a famous Swiss psychologist. And Carl Jung, back in the day, he was in Freud era and so forth. Um, he arrived at these 12 basic personality archetypes. And I have found that when we use those and take our customers through them, our clients through them, that they can pinpoint a personality archetype that is their brand, authentic to their brand, aspirational to their brand. And we use that archetype to help them communicate their story through all their various channels in as consistent of tone and personality and look and feel as possible. And finding your true archetype is just simply another way to help humanize your brand and differentiate you from the personalities of your other artists. So it's a really interesting way to find that emotional appeal of your brand. Again, elevating you out of the primordial muck of commoditization into the hearts of your folks that buy ultimately into their that. minds. I love so, that. It makes perfect sense. So we're on step seven now? Okay. We're uh, you're, you're very good. You must deal with numbers. <laughs> you know, I might. So you're very, I was super mind. Um, step seven. Chapter seven is the road of trials. This is where you actually get to talk about your features and functions and your benefits and that sort of thing. Um, because everything has really been kind of a setup, a prelude to now customer engagement. And I look at three primary milestones of customer engagement, and that is brand awareness. What stories are you telling your audience to make them aware of your brand? And what stories are your audiences? is telling them themselves about your industry and potentially your brand. You want to know what stories are they telling because you might need to tell a better story to get them over the top of something. Number two, uh, after brand awareness, of course, is brand adoption. All right, okay. you're hired. I'm going to pay for your product or service. You've got me now. I'm hoping you'll prove yourself out and deliver on every promise that you've made. So how do you now really incorporate your audiences, your customers into your brand story and make them feel a very powerful part of it? Because what you ultimately want to do is hand your brand story off to them and let them become your storyteller and you become the story creator through how you take care of them. And that leads us then to number three in the road of trials to understand brand appreciation. So now they become a repeat customer. They're starting to talk about you. Word of mouth marketing is really starting to play into this and you are helping on them with the experiences and the stories that they will willingly go out and share with their friends. So what are the little things that you're doing that really surprise and delight them that they can then go and share with other people? You know, what are the stories you are arming them with? So the road of trials is really understanding where your audience is between brand awareness, brand adoption, brand appreciation. What stories are they telling them about your, you and your brand and how can you get them experiencing the stories you want them to be you know, experiencing, to bewitch them and keep them around forever as we keep elevating them up than this um, tier of influence, this humanity that is your brand. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking brain overload right now, but. <laughs> I know I'm throwing yeah, a lot at great. you. That's I mean, I'm thinking just to myself, we're going to point number eight. This is almost like a whole novel at this point. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that's right. what we're trying to do in, in chapters okay. 8, 9, and 10. So I've really taken you through Act 1 and Act 2 mm-hmm. of developing your grand story. Now we're right on the cusp of taking you from Act 2 into the finale, Act 3. And that's where it all comes together. And that starts, Winnie, with um, uh, Chapter 8, as you said. And it's, it's, it's called Victory is at Hand. And what I want brands at this point to think about, because in the road of trials, by the way, it's not always going to be rosy. There's going to be buyer's remorse. There's going to be things that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, There's going to be buyers that just don't understand exactly what they just bought. And so you have to be there and help them get through that. So once you get there, you want to start celebrating their victories with them, even the smallest of victories. How do you equip them with those victories? It could be um, giving them some free downloads of stuff when they first get to brand awareness, you know, so that they can test you on test drive you and have a little victory at each one of those steps. Um, Once they do a brand adoption and they buy into you, what sort of added value do you immediately apply and make sure that they're aware of so they have a victory in that um, execution, that story experience, and certainly mm-hmm. brand appreciation. You know, are you offering them uh, bonuses or, or uh, discounts if they send people in? How do you continue to level them up and giving them victories along the way? You want to be very cognizant of that. True to Hollywood form, you have a hero, something happens, they go on the road of trials, it usually gets worse before it gets better. They're about ready to overcome, and then the bottom falls out of them, and then they get through because they dig deep, they get the self-confidence, this character shines through, and they have victory. Well, essentially, you want to build those moments into your brand interaction. And chapter eight helps you design that. It helps you really understand where you're going to celebrate victories every step along the way with your customers. Chapter, and so that's always about what does victory feel like? Or I'm, I'm sorry, uh, look like? It, what, what does it absolutely look like? Chapter nine is what does victory feel like? And this is called oral of the story. So at this point, you're really asking yourself, you want to be thinking of it throughout, is what are the beliefs and values about life and humanity that we share with our customers and how effectively are we communicating those through the stories we tell and delivering on those and how we activate our stories through our sales and our customer service. So you want to ask yourself, what is this belief and this value that we can connect with to them and make sure that that becomes the focus of your story. And this is why I always ask brands is what is your ultimate brand purpose beyond making money? If you were to answer the question, we exist to help people do what? For instance, in my case, my brand Mm -hmm. purpose is a story is to help people. We exist to help people live into their most powerful stories. So and and I will often end, as you saw with the talk, you know, the most potent story you will ever tell is the story you tell yourself. So make it a Mm. good one. But quite often we hold ourselves back, you know, from the stories because we're not telling ourselves great stories when in actuality we have this whole world available to us to be hugely successful in. So we need to tell first a better story about ourselves and then make sure that that is getting reflected through the brand story. And so what does your brand exist to do beyond just make money? How do you level people up? That's all about the focus on chapter nine. And then, of course, chapter 10 is building brand rituals. I call this to be continued. You know, Hollywood knows this better than anybody. How many James Bond movies are there? Like 26, 27? You know, they keep, can, they can change out the leading role of the, of, you know, the main actor. Yet the stories are always there. This excitement, the adventure. They know their audiences and they can keep them coming back for more. Mm-hmm. So what do you do as a brand to keep your audiences coming back for more? So that they can go through these revolutions of the story cycle that I just took you through. The brand awareness, the brand adoption 
to brand appreciation and ultimately brand evangelism. And every time they do that circle, it's actually a spiral. It gets a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger and your brand engagement grows. And that's what you're ultimately looking for is to grow those relationships with your audiences. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that makes perfect sense because the audience isn't in charge of learning our story. Our job is to share our story and we have to go through this much detail and thoughtfulness to, to tell Absolutely. it properly. And you have to place Incredible. your audience at the center of the yeah. story. You can use this exact same process and we've got a, a, a customer persona outline, you know, understanding your hero where you can really have a greater appreciation. What journey are they on? What story are they currently living? Where are they in that journey? And how can you then best connect with them as a brand? So as I mentioned, one of my best uh, Best Clients is an emerging company, and I can tell you exactly where they are. They don't know about me. They probably have heard maybe through uh, brand awareness. Uh, I do a podcast once a week called Business of Story. You can get on iTunes and, and uh, Stitcher and other places. And in those, I want to design in little victory moments. So every show is just filled with tips and techniques that they can use immediately. Go to the website for even greater brand awareness. I have a ton of free tools there that they can download and use, you know, to start building their brands. Again, victory moments every step of the way. And then when they actually adopt in, you know, to it, they say, hey, I want to buy your workbook, a $45 brand workbook that you can go through. So now I got brand adoption and I help them then, you know, answer questions as they're going through that workbook. Sometimes they'll hire me to take over the process and do the whole thing with them. Sometimes they'll bring me in just to help train storytelling for leaders. But that adoption, my goal is to continue to grow that relationship. So I become truly a story coach and guide for them for as long as they need. And then brand appreciation comes when they send me wonderful letters and they reach out to their friends and they say, hey, you ought to really try this process. So that's kind of an example of how it all comes together, how I use it in my world and how you can use it in your own world. I so appreciate that part. There's so many more questions I have for you, but what I think we should do, because I think we went through 10 incredible steps, I wanted everybody to go ahead and take this in and learn it and practice it and get to know Park Story even better by going on to, to Park Your website. So I think what we'll do is we'll continue, if you don't mind, if you don't mind doing this with us again, maybe we can do a, our second episode with you. But um, how do you- I would love to. Yeah, that would be great. So I, I guess I would love to. during that process, I would invite, I'm going to do this. I hope you'll join me by checking out more elements of Park's website and really start to practice some of the skills he's talked about. And that way we can learn even more the next time. And I invite those of you who are listening who are just like myself, super, super busy. And you maybe just need someone to kind of be that person that coaches you through. You can reach out to Park. So Park, maybe you could tell us, how do we keep in touch with you? How do we contact you? Absolutely. Best way is just to go to my website, businessofstory.com. And then feel free to send me an email at park, P-A-R-K, at businessofstory.com. And I'd be happy to answer any questions you have and help you live into your most powerful story. Incredible. What a gift. Thank you, Park. Truly, truly grateful for the time that you spent with us today. It has been an incredible journey. I hope all of you tuning in, watching, uh, listening, wherever you're coming from, enjoyed it as much as I do. Uh, feel free to reach out to me as well and let me know if you have any questions and, and other uh, thought processes as we go ahead and invite Park back a second time for a future episode of the Renegade Money Show. So with that, I hope you have an amazing week and I look forward to seeing all of you very soon. So jump on social media and get in touch with us.